0: Welcome to the Dealmakers Coffee Break, where we talk to industry pros about their success stories, deals, and market insights in just enough time for you to enjoy a cup of coffee. So grab your mug and join us for a chat with the people behind the deals. I'm Asaf Raz. Let's go. Welcome to another episode of the Dealmakers Podcast Coffee Break Edition. And today, I am very, very excited. Well, it's been a long time that we've been trying to do this, but I have today Maria Zondarvin, right? Did I say right? Perfect. Yes, very good. From, yeah. Zondervan, thank you. Uh, she's from uh, Blue Vikings Capital. Been doing this for years, and I've I've really been waiting for this conversation for a long time. So, Maria, please take it away. Tell us who you are, what you do, what you specialize in, and we'll take it from there.
1: Yeah, so thank you so much for having me. And yeah, it's great that we could finally get this scheduled. So I'm in um Florida, the lovely state where Mickey Mouse resides in the Orlando area. And I've been doing real estate for 26 years, mainly single family to start, and then moved over to the multifamily world in 2019. And as markets here in Florida got a little crazy, and I wasn't able to find a lot here. I started branching out into other areas, and that was easiest with partners. I started working primarily in the field of capital raising, and these days I work as a capital allocator, which is sort of the new term for it, I guess. We represent the investors more so than the deal sponsors. You know, deal sponsors are trying to get things closed. That's their main priority, which nothing wrong with that. That's what you got to do. But our main objective is just to find the best deals for our investors, things that meet their their criteria, their needs, what they're looking for specifically. So basically, when I'm not buying properties myself and raising capital for my own deals, then I help other people raise capital for their deals. So a lot of deal sponsors will come to me with their deals, wanting me to raise capital for them, but I'm really selective. So probably 90% of those don't make the cut. And then 10% of them I'm going to deep dive into. And then the ones that I really like, I invest my own money into Those are the only ones that I will then offer to my network of potential investors. And I have had meetings with all of them in advance. So I know who's looking for what, you know, Mm -hmm. who's looking for good cash flow, who's looking for good equity, build up for their retirement account, who needs depreciation for their businesses, whatever their needs are. So I keep a database of those individuals and then I will reach out to the people who need the deal that I just invested in see if they want to invest alongside me. I'm looking out for their interest, but they're also aligned with mine because I'm investing in the same properties.
0: I love that. That's really cool. So it's like a, a stronger vested interest into a deal than just raising capital as fast as we can. Let's just get the money and get, get it rolling. You're making sure that the needs of the investor or what he expects actually happens because you're also part of it. It's really cool. Exactly,
1: exactly. Really- yeah, and I can represent them on the deal sponsor side too because I'll either come in as a general partner to where I'm then you know, part of the team and I'm sitting in on those asset management meetings and what have you and just looking out for the investor's interest there. Or sometimes I can come in as a fund. We'll do a special purpose vehicle fund, probably heard that term, for a particular raise. And that's really nice because I'm in an alliance with um, 29 other capital raisers, and if we really like a deal, we may all join forces to raise for one deal. So then we can bring a lot of money to the table. And that means we get bargaining powers, right? So, I mean, if we're taking care of your entire capital raise or a large portion of it, we can often negotiate better terms than if you were going straight to the deal sponsor. So maybe the the people going straight to deal sponsor are getting a 6% pref, and our people are getting an 8% pref. Mm-hmm. So maybe instead of a seventy percent equity split, they get a eighty percent equity split. So, yeah, we're working for the investors
0: that's really cool. and I, you know, I think we all everybody's working for the investors, right? That's uh, a big part of our job
1: absolutely. If you're not, you're doing something wrong
0: if you're if you're not, you're doing something wrong. and and you know when when I think about investors and, you know, we've had those I call them the golden years, right? We had a ten to fifteen years. It was a a race to how many properties can i get and how much money we can invest in in commercial real estate interest rates were practically zero right helping yeah, free money so you you got free money it was easy to leverage it and to go into deals but we know that the situation is different right now we know that things are a little bit you know they're changing and they're adapting to reality right and my question to you is with with keeping those investor interests what is your investment strategy today and how how is it unique or different than other commercial asset firms?
1: Yeah. Well, the first comes with educating your investors um, to kind of tailor or alter their expectations, I guess, because some of them still think we are in those golden years. Yes, And so a lot of them are still looking for these crazy returns in very short time periods. And the kind of deals that are offering those could be really risky right now. I'm not saying some of them won't pan out, but I'm very cautious of those types of things. One of the main things I'm looking right now at is loan terms. Yeah, As you mentioned, interest rates are are getting much higher, right? But there are other ways to get around that, right? You might be able to assume a loan or get some seller carry back. And that can be great if you can assume a loan that's still at 3% or something. That's fantastic. But there's probably going to be a big gap between there and the purchase price. So Mm -hmm. what do you do with that gap? How long is the assumption of that loan? Is it okay? You can assume it, but it's only got a year left on it or two years. What happens after that? We don't know where interest rates are going to be, right? So what's your refinance plan? Can you handle it if you have to refinance at 8%? You know, what happens then? So you have to stress test all these deals. So one of the things I do is independent underwriting, right? So the main deal sponsor is going to underwrite the property and they come up with their predictions of how it's going to play out. But mm-hmm. I take the raw numbers, don't look at theirs, plug it in my own spreadsheets and see where I come up. Best case scenario, worst case scenario, right? And make sure it's somewhere in line with what the sponsors are saying. And mm. if it doesn't line up, then that's one of the ones I chuck in the wastebasket.
0: I'm sure that these days you're doing more throwing into the basket than actually going for a deal.
1: Yes, yes. It used to be pick the best of all the great offers. Now it's there's a lot of junk out there. And then there's a couple that are still putting together some great deals. There, there are great deals in every market. You just have to work way harder for them right now.
0: So, but so it's right, going to
1: sort out the uh, sort out the real players, I think.
0: Yes, yes. And I heard this in the last episode. I did. It was exactly what what our other guest said. He said the way it's going to play out towards next year as well. You no, know, there, he talked about a lot of those loans are not a 12 month, you know, uh, loan. It's uh, some of them are 36, 48, 50 something, right? They're longer right. loans with longer timeframes, but they're due now. They're due in 2024 and those developers, those GPs have to make a decision. Do I refi? Do I sell? Is there anything I can do to keep the deal alive? Have you had any of those deals or any deals in, in, in your portfolio where you're trying to consider what will be the next step or you're trying to think of, well, we're getting to that refinance point. What should we do next?
1: Yeah. I mean, you're right. We're seeing a lot more people come to those terms. And I know two deals have just exited that hadn't planned on it. They were Mm -hmm. planning on refinancing, but it just didn't make sense to refinance right now. Mm. So the returns are going to be less than they expected, but they're going to get returns, right? The risk is that you hold even longer and then maybe you lose money, which is the worst case scenario, right? So I think it's better to exit early if you need to even if it's not making your projected returns, then to take a risk, right? Because the number one rule is don't lose your investor's capital. I mean, that's always rule number one and rule number two, see rule number one. So yeah, you have to make some, and not waiting to the last minute because as you get closer to those deadlines, if you have a rate cap that's expiring or a loan that's expiring, the closer you get to that deadline, the less options are gonna be on the tape. -hmm. So it's really getting together with your team, figuring it out. And I would also say, don't be afraid to talk to your investors. Have Zoom meetings. Let them know what's going on. Let them know what changes, because you might be surprised at the feedback. A lot of people might be like, "Yeah, exit or whatever," or they may support a longer hold, but then they know the risk. But if you're not talking to them, that's when you can get in bigger trouble. And and I've seen some people make that mistake and. I think it's going to be the end of their career in real estate, really, because okay, those communication lines are are imperative.
0: Absolutely. It, it, it's scary, though. It's scary. I can understand them. It's scary to sit in front of your investors and say, look, guys, like the numbers just don't make sense now. We have to exit or some of them. I know that some of them ask for more investor money, more investor capital to invest. Yeah, in more. capital
1: calls. Yep.
0: So they run another capital call and they say, hey, I need more which is something it's for me, just realistically, I know that people do it and, and some investors appreciate it for me. When I look at it from, from my perspective, I say, wait, like why didn't it work the first time? Why do we need more now? Why would I invest more into this deal? If you can exit and at least I'm not going to be losing money.
1: Exactly. Uh, Yeah. And, And I've seen a couple of capital calls as of late and I've seen them handled in really great ways and I've seen them handled really poorly. Here's how you don't do it. And here's how you do it. Well, Obviously there are lots of different ways, but yeah. I had one deal. I did not have any investors in this, but I was in this deal. It was from early on, has never paid a distribution. Long story why I got into that deal shouldn't have been there knew better, but nonetheless, I was. They've been sending out, you know updates and reports on a very irregular basis, which first of all, your investors don't like that. They want regular updates. And they want transparent updates. These updates were all about, hey, we're increasing the income, we're doing this, we've got better um, occupancy, all things, green check boxes, right? And all of that was true. There's nothing false in those statements. However, what they were leaving out is that even though their income was increasing, so was their expenses. Yes. They got nailed by these new insurance rates that are mm. just sky high, taxes have gone sky high, and their debt was out of control. Their debt went from 43000 a month to 97000 a month. So it didn't matter that they were increasing the income. They were falling behind the ball. They were not disclosing that. And then boom, an email, capital call. No warning, no heads up. And when I called them, it was basically, you know, you can either pay up or we're going to dilute your equity. And that was yeah. it. All stick, no carrot. Needless to say, that capital call failed. Nobody was putting in more money in that deal. Another deal, they did the exact opposite. They shared everything with the investors constantly. They weren't afraid to have those hard conversations. You know, this is the business plan. This is why it's not working. Here's the new business plan. We have a new idea, but if you have other ideas, share them with us. We are going to need more capital to make this work, but here's why we think it's going to work. And here's what we, the general partners, are adding to this. And general partners brought millions of their own money into this. They took out personal loans on their houses, all sorts of stuff to shore up this deal. That gives your investors a whole lot more confidence. But there was nothing that just sideswiped them. And then, you know, the general partners always have equity in the deal, right? They gave up that equity for the investors that that came to the capital call. Instead of diluting the equity, they said, anybody that brings more money, you get a bigger share. So in the end, you know, we're going to make it whole here. And that was a very successful capital call. Because the fact is, if you're in this business long enough, you're going to have a deal or two that don't perform as well as you wanted to. That's just reality. No one has a perfect business model all the time. And this has been freak event, right? Interest rates just going crazy in such a short period of time. It's, it's hard to hold it against anybody that they couldn't have predicted that, right? Mm-hmm. And we had also at the same time experienced incredible rent growths. And that has stopped because, you know, you just can't keep up with that kind of rent growth. It was kind of out of control. Um, so everything just kind of slowed all at the same time. And then we mentioned taxes and insurance hit all at the same time, right? So that's hard to absorb if you bought at a couple of years ago and now you're coming to that point. Yeah. But there's right ways and wrong ways to do it. and And the professional thing is to up have those hard conversations, they're uncomfortable, but you're going to have to face the music sooner or later, and it's better to do it sooner.
0: I agree. I agree. I agree. And, and I've seen, you know, you, you've talked about something specific I want to focus on. You talked about how you create more credibility with with investors, and the more you either tell them, hey, we're going to take less equity from the deal, right? We're going to take less percentages, or we're going to put a lot of personal money into the deal more than we expected to. Even if for the price of a personal loan, I have a fear that going into 24, many people took those decisions to say, I'm going to hold the deal. I'm going to hold my business. I'm going to take personal uh, personal debt. I'm going to do whatever it takes to continue. But there are prices to pay for that. And I feel like everybody should know in advance what is the price. And maybe sometimes, like you said, not every deal would be successful. Maybe it's time to give up the deal. I think that's like a big message that I'm I'm learning throughout these few past few weeks, preparing to next year. What do you think about this approach in general? Like people taking those personal loans, not giving up on a deal, deciding to push through. What are the things that you would make sure to notice so that we you don't get to that same point?
1: Yeah, well, I think it's about why are you taking the personal loans, right? Is there a viable business plan that with more capital, you can cheer it up and get that capital back plus the rest, right? And save the deal. Or is it just to prop it up and hope, right? There's a lot of that. Well, if we can just get past this and we're just going to wait for the interest rates to come down and rent will go back up. Like if it's a hope and a prayer, then that's probably not a wise business decision, right? But if there's a viable business plan that'll get you there, maybe you can add on units or maybe there are units you didn't renovate the first time or, you know, we're basically you're being the bridge lender, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of what we've seen happen is the general partners come in with their personal funds to take the place of the bridge loan that's expiring, right? Mm-hmm. And And if all goes well, they'll get paid back for those loans. They may not get any interest on them, but instead of continuing to pay these crazy interest rates on these bridge loans, they fill that gap or they get a combination of a new loan with their own equity. But you have to Underwrite it, just like it was a new deal, you know, and see where do you end up in two years, three years, five years if you do this. And I would only do it if it's a very viable business plan.
0: I think this is a very important take, and I, I feel like people should should hear this out. The uh, The idea of taking debt, any debt, should be very responsible. Like, you should be very responsible with taking debt, but specifically when it comes to a personal loan, that has a price tag on your your living, your family, right? your housing, your food on the table, right? That's the implication. And and I think this is, after seeing it this past two weeks, this is the one message I want to put out there for, at least for me, right? It has to be very responsible. You can take personal debt if you don't do that responsibly. Yeah, so that's that's the, uh, my small message for this episode. Taking it to something a little bit more positive. Every episode, we finish with a, something I call the shameless plug. The Shameless Plug is where you have an opportunity to shamelessly talk about your company, investment opportunities, share what you're working on today, what you're looking for. I can say that within our community, we've had guests that uh, had new capital from new investors. Um, They found CoGP's other partners to work with, new deals, new funds to go into. So it's been interesting. And and this is your time. This is your Shameless Plug. Take it away.
1: (laughs) Basically, I have a ton of free resources on my website. So BlueVikings with an S, I have among probably the, the top favorite there is my book on um, getting into your first passive real estate investment. So sort of that guide if you just don't know where to start. But I've also had a lot of feedback from seasoned investors that it has really helped them kind of go back to the basics now that you can't just... Bet on any horse and win, right? It's a more challenging market. So maybe pick that up. It's called Choosing Your First Passive Real Estate Investment, a step by step guide. And again, it's free on my website, bluevikingscapital.com. And if I may do a second little plug, I also do um, housing for autistic adults. So there's a link on that website to my nonprofit called Valhalla Villas. And that is to help create affordable housing for adults with autism that also has the services they need to live independently. And we do offer investment opportunities in those deals as well for people wanting want to do long-term holds that they can pass on to their kids or even their special needs kids. If they're worried about, you know, continuous cash flow for those kids beyond their lifetime, these are properties that will never be sold. Because once we have autistic adults living there, we're not going to put them back on the streets, right? So this is not your typical syndication where it uh, turns every three to five years or something like that.
0: That's amazing, Maria. I didn't, uh, well, I did see that you're doing something for for a nonprofit, but this is a great, great, great cause. All the materials, all the links, all the information will be also in the bio of the video and the podcast episode and everything's going to be in the bio so people can reach out and link directly to, to you. Anything like a, a last sentence you want to add about the market, a final line about the market right now?
1: Just that there are great opportunities coming. I've got a couple of great deals coming up right now that I'm very excited about. I would also consider looking into new development right now in the right areas. There are a few areas that are overdeveloped, but there are a few areas that are still going to be rocking it with some new development. So don't overlook that opportunity.
0: That's amazing. Maria Zandervant, thank you so much for being with me from Blue Vikings Capital in another episode of the Dealmakers Coffee Break. I appreciate your time so much.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you for joining us. Check out more episodes on the Dealmakers podcast available on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, and Agora's website at agorareal.com slash podcast. See you in the next episode.